You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and he calls us to preach the word in season and out of season. We pray that as you listen, you'll be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, so good to be with you. I uh, I really, really hope that we might be in person this year. Uh, last year it was online. This year it is again. Maybe one day I'll be allowed to come and actually meet you face to face. But anyway, good to uh, have this opportunity to be with you. And just a joy, too, to be with you when Andrew and Heather are being welcomed. Um, it's just lovely to see you both again. And I'm so delighted that you're taking up this ministry and are going to be active in gospel work in Melbourne again. In view of that, and just in view of uh, the gospel itself, I want us to focus on verse 7 of Isaiah 52. Uh, A wonderful verse. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Uh, Just before we open up this verse, let's uh, pause in prayer before God, shall we pray? Uh, Lord God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that through it you speak to us and you strengthen us and challenge us and build us up, and we pray that you would do that now, that your word would speak into our hearts and encourage us and point us again to the Lord Jesus. And we ask this in his name and for his sake. Amen. Well, I wonder when you might say beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. Uh, Maybe say it when you see a sunset or some beautiful landscape. Maybe say it of sport. Um, Isn't soccer called the beautiful game? And uh, I I always think um, watching Federer play tennis is to watch something beautiful. Uh, maybe you say it of, of people. There are some people who just look beautiful. Uh, and, and there are other people who, regardless of their looks, they just are beautiful. And you say he or she is just a beautiful person. Actually, maybe it's, maybe it's when you look in the mirror in the morning and you, and you see your face again and say, oh, Beautiful. I've never had that experience myself, but, um, you know, looking at the screen, maybe, maybe some of you uh, have had that experience. (laughs) Now, think about this. I wonder whether you ever use that word to describe your church. Do you say, um, we, we go to a really beautiful church. When would you use that to describe the ministries of the church? Would you say we have a beautiful preaching ministry or uh, we we have a beautiful small group ministry? We have a beautiful sense of community. Do you use the word beautiful for the church and for gospel ministry? Some 2,700 years ago, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah used this word beautiful, but he used it 
for the feet of someone. Uh, now, I've been to a podiatrist just a couple of times, and I'm always amazed that anyone would uh, dedicate their life to working on people's diseased, deformed and dysfunctional feet. Um, that is remarkable, but wonderful. Um, and apparently there are all sorts of foot treatments you can get and all sorts of things to make your feet uh, beautiful. But when Isaiah talks about beautiful feet, he's not talking about, you know, manicured nails and soft soles and all that. Actually, he might be talking about soft soles, but there's a different kind of soul he has in mind. Uh, when he talks about beautiful feet, he's using, of course, an, a figure of speech to speak of how beautiful it is when someone with their feet comes to you with good news. And as we think about this today, it, it's going to help us think actually about what will make Andrew and Heather's ministry amongst you a beautiful ministry. And what will make your ministry involvement in this church something beautiful? What will make the preaching ministry of Andrew and Adam beautiful? I think this verse and this passage gives us a twofold answer. First of all, a, a beautiful ministry constantly points to the love of Jesus. A beautiful ministry constantly points to the love of Jesus. Now, to see that, we've got to backtrack into this verse for a few minutes. In Isaiah's time, there was no TV news. There was no daily newspaper. There was no social media news feed where you could check what was happening around the world. If Israel was to hear news of how her armies were doing in battle, they would need to hear that by whatever herald coming, like a town crier, a public voice who would physically stand up and proclaim the daily news. And, of course, when the herald arrived, that was the moment of truth. Would it be good news or bad? Were there many casualties? Uh, was this victory or defeat? And you can imagine perhaps the joy amongst the people when the herald arrived and he had good news. Um, if, if he comes and says it's victory and we're doing wonderfully well and, and everything is amazing, you would be, you know, thrilled, relieved. You might actually want to hug this guy. <laughs> You're like, thank you. Well, he hasn't won the battle. But he has brought good news and you love him for it. So it's like you go to the doctor and um, you've been waiting anxiously for test results. And, and the doctor tells you everything's clear. It's all good. There's nothing to worry about. Well, you're, you're delighted. <laughs> you might even you know, just about want to hug the doctor. But the, the doctor didn't do anything for you other than declare good news. Now, in Isaiah's day, in this passage... The, the good news in view is that God was about to bring to an end Israel's exile. Seventy years earlier, they had been cast out of the promised land, set away as the judgment of God because of their constant unfaithfulness to the Lord, their sin, their idolatry, their rebellion. God allowed the Babylonians to come in, Jerusalem 
was sacked. There was massive destruction. There was international disgrace. They were carted off into exile. Verse 3 here says they were sold for nothing. But God is now declaring that he is about to bring them back. Uh, that is going to be free of charge as well, he says. They'll be redeemed without silver. And, and look at verses 8 and 9. The, the voices of your watchmen, these are the, the heralds. Uh, they, they lift up their voices. They're shouting for joy together. Every eye will see when the Lord returns to Zion. Be joyful. Rejoice together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. It's foretelling the day when their captivity will be ended and they'll be restored and redeemed and, and brought back to Jerusalem. And that was the best news they'd had for 70 years. It was a time of amazing uh, singing and relief and gladness. But actually when it happened, it was only a partial restoration. They were restored, but not fully. They were healed, but not completely. And so when would full restoration and complete healing come? Well, here's a, uh, here's a, a, a remarkably astute observation. Isaiah 52 is followed by Isaiah 53. Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> but actually, it is brilliant if you think about it. If you know Isaiah 53, it's an amazing passage that foretells the servant of the Lord. It's, it's a wonderful prophecy, eventually, of the coming of Jesus Christ, who would take their punishment on himself, who would carry their sins, who would bear their iniquities, and by his wounds, they would be healed. Ultimately, it would only be with the coming of Jesus Christ that their sins would be fully paid for and their punishment complete and over and their shame removed forever. And ultimately, that's the good news that Isaiah is speaking of. He, he's speaking not just of the, of the preliminary good news, their return to Jerusalem. He's speaking of the ultimate good news that would come with Jesus Christ. And if you look at the words there in verse 7, they're, they're really all New Testament gospel words, aren't they? Uh, the herald proclaims peace. He brings news of good things. That, that's the gospel. The gospel is good news. He proclaims salvation. And so beautiful feet today are the feet of those who declare the good news of the gospel, who proclaim to us and teach you about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly why the Apostle Paul takes up these very verses in Romans chapter 10. Uh, have a listen to Romans 10 verses 14 and 15. It says there, how then can they call on him who they've not believed in? You know, how can, how can anyone call on the name of Jesus if you haven't believed in him? And then it says, and how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? 
And then it quotes this verse, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Uh, Paul, Paul saying this, this verse is ultimately fulfilled when gospel preachers declare the good news of Jesus Christ so that you can know Jesus and call on him and be saved. And I think that's actually true of all Christian ministry. A beautiful ministry is ministry that points us to the love of Jesus, to his sacrifice to us, his goodness and his kindness, his bearing all our sin for us, Jesus freeing us and healing us and restoring us. And Andrew and Heather will have a beautiful ministry among you as they point to Jesus. Andrew and Adam will have a beautiful preaching ministry as they constantly point you to Jesus Christ. Now, that, that might sound painfully obvious. In some ways it is, and yet I think it's possible that in church ministries we sometimes don't camp here enough. Let me give you some alternatives. I think sometimes it's possible that our main focus is not actually Jesus Christ. Our main focus can be our sin, our failing, our guilt. In fact, sometimes people love preaching that smacks you up and kind of the, the harder it punches you, the better it is. And, and the focus is almost on making us feel guilty about our sin. I love the statement of the Scottish preacher, Robert Murray McShane. He said this, do not take up your time so much with studying your own heart as with studying Christ's. Heart. For one look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. That's wonderful. We do have to look at ourselves. We have to look at our own hearts. We have to face our sin. The Bible talks about it plainly. But the job of those in ministry is not only to make us look at ourselves, but make us look 10 times more at Jesus Christ. Again, sometimes the focus in ministry, in preaching, in, in church life can be on more, doing more. We've got to love more. We've got to give more. We've got to serve more. We've got to be more committed. We've got to share our faith more. And, and as the emphasis on more, more, more of what we've got to do, we can feel weighed down and crushed by Christian expectation. <laughs> And most of us probably do need to do more of many of those things. But what will make us do more? What will make us want to do more? Only seeing more of Jesus Christ and how good he is and how kind he is and how worthwhile it is to know him and serve him. And then there's another possibility in ministry, and that is that the, the focus on, of ministry can be on those who are up front. We, we live at a time where there's a celebrity evangelical culture. And there are plenty of pastors and church leaders and church planters who want to make a name for themselves. And we begin to think that a beautiful ministry is one that has clever, witty, smart, hip people up front. No doubt that's why you're called Andrew. Um, you know, we, we, can, we, can, um, we can think that a beautiful ministry is one that's well-resourced and well-staged. Uh, we think that a, a beautiful ministry, a beautiful church is slick 
and contemporary and cutting edge. But if you think about it, there are plenty of other events and concerts and shows that can do all that far better than most little churches can do. If that's what's beautiful, there's nothing actually distinct about the church. The, the world does all that better than we do. So now we have to come back to what this verse is saying. A beautiful ministry is one that holds Jesus in front of us again and again. But there's something to think about at that point. While the Bible calls that a beautiful ministry, the fact is there are many people around us who don't think that is beautiful at all. Uh, to non-Christians, to unbelievers, the message of Jesus isn't a beautiful message. It's, well, at best perhaps a weird message and at worst a deeply offensive and utterly wrong message. We've got to reckon with that. Think, think of it this way. Uh, imagine you're, you've gone to a party and you're uh, just mixing and mingling with different people. And along the way, you uh, end up chatting with this guy and he's, you know, he's clearly well-educated and he's nicely dressed. And, and you're, you're chatting and he asks you what you do. And then after a while, you ask him what he does. And, and it turns out he's a plastic surgeon. Oh, that's interesting. You ask him a bit about his work. And if you haven't met a plastic surgeon before, you ask him what he does. And then after a while, he just kind of pauses in the conversation. He, he tilts his head a little bit, he looks at you. And then he says, you know, I could fix the problem you've got with your face. <laughs> he says, no, 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 I've done, um, I've done lots of jobs like that. And um, actually, I, I'd be quite happy to do that one for you free. <laughs> well, if prior to that you have not thought that you have any particular problem with your face, then his incredibly generous and no doubt perceptive offer is utterly offensive. And you know, that's kind of how the Christian message is for a lot of people who are non Christians. <laughs> it, it's an offensive message. We think it's beautiful, but they find it offensive. We, we say to people, Jesus Christ can forgive all your sins. And, and they're thinking, I'm, I'm not really sure that I'm a sinner. I'm, a good, I'm basically a good person. Uh, you know, Jesus Christ can make your life better. And, and this is a, I, I think I'm quite able of taking care of my own life. Thank you very much. And so people around us are often offended by the message of the gospel, not attracted to it as something beautiful. So what will make the message of the gospel a message that people might begin to find a beautiful message? We can't remove the offence of the gospel. But actually, it's as we love people, as we care for people, as we take an interest in them, 
they may begin to see in us something of the love of Jesus Christ himself. Friends, it's actually the way all of you speak to one another, the way you conduct your lives, the way you welcome people, the way you handle your work, the way you handle sickness. It's the way you go about your daily life as followers of the Lord Jesus that might actually show to other people this is perhaps a message worth thinking about. It's as if you show your face to the world and they see that the surgery has made a difference, that Jesus Christ has worked in you and maybe they will want the same. And actually, if, if any of you here listening this afternoon are not Christians and not followers of Jesus, and maybe you think the message of the gospel is weird or even offensive, can I encourage you to actually get to know Jesus a bit more first? And you may find that his message is more beautiful than you ever expected. And you may find, as so many of us here have found, that he is able to do in our lives, do for us what we were never able to do for ourselves. And we've come to know his love and we've found a sense of hope and we've discovered a sense of purpose. We've found all that in Jesus. And it's been a beautiful thing. And it may be as you get to know Jesus, you find that he is more beautiful than you ever imagined. Well, that's the first thing. I've dwelled on that the longest, and I'll be briefer on the other thing, but that's the first thing about a beautiful church, a beautiful ministry, beautiful preaching. It draws us constantly to focus on Jesus. But there's a second thing in this verse, in the last line of it, that we also need to look at. A beautiful ministry not only constantly points us to the love of Jesus, but a beautiful ministry constantly points us to the power of God. The power of God. You know, the good news that we proclaim is proclaimed in a world where there's just so much bad news. We're bombarded by bad news at the moment, aren't we? There's so much discouragement. Maybe you follow the daily COVID numbers, hoping for some good news, and most days at the moment it's not great. You hang off the next press conference hoping for good news and it's more bad news. These lockdowns have worn very thin. Our mental health is taking a massive hit. Homeschooling kids while you're Trying to work in a professional job at home is incredibly hard. Businesses on the brink of collapse, many gone already. Family gatherings, what a Father's Day this was, eh? Family gatherings, just a thing of the past at the moment. And then there's Afghanistan and there's global warming. And there are all the issues of sexism and racism that have constantly been in the news and, and concerns about freedom of speech. 
These are hard days. But this verse says that a beautiful ministry declares in the midst of all that your God reigns. Look at, the, look at this verse again. How beautiful on the mountains, the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, who says to God's people, your God reigns. Zion, your God rules. The herald declares that God is not distant and uninvolved. He's not disinterested in his people. He, he's not impotent, unable to do anything about their situation. Far from it. God still reigns. He's still on the throne. He reigns not only in Jerusalem, but in Babylon. Their own king may have been deposed 70 years earlier, but God still reigns on the throne of Israel. It was because he reigned that he was able to bring about the release of his people and bring them back to their own homeland. But again, this passage points forward much beyond that return from exile. The God who reigns one day sent his own son into this world. He anointed him to be king. He came to defeat sin and death and evil. He did so by enduring evil, bearing sin, suffering death on our behalf. And then the risen Lord Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Christ is Lord of all. He's CEO of the universe. He rules, not Dan Andrews, not Scott Morrison, not Joe Biden, not the Taliban. Christ reigns. And a beautiful ministry is one that constantly reminds people of that. It reminds people of that when evil seems to triumph. As our society becomes more and more godless and we see so much injustice and violence and immorality, it can be depressing until we look back at who God is and at the work of Jesus and that death and sin has been defeated and Christ has been raised from the dead and we are reminded that Christ reigns. God is not stunned or shocked or stumped by all that's going on in our world. He is working out through his risen and exalted King, the Lord Jesus Christ, his plans and purposes for our world. Our God reigns. The beautiful ministry constantly reminds people of that. It reminds them of that when they're hurting when they're sick, when they're lonely, when they're fearful. And I want to say that to every single one of you this afternoon. 
your problems, no matter how big they are, do not reign. They don't, they don't run the show. Even our deepest fears and burdens are in the hand of God. And he has already exalted Jesus Christ as King and Lord. Your God, O Zion, O people of God, cross and crown, church members, your God reigns. And a beautiful ministry just constantly points people back to that. If you are, um, if you are free falling from an aeroplane, then it is a beautiful thing when your parachute opens. If you're in a classroom where there is absolute chaos, the, the kids have gone wild and there's pandemonium, it's a beautiful thing when the teacher comes back to that classroom and restores order. If you're waiting with your kid who has been seriously injured, as we, we have on one occasion, you're waiting and you hear the sound of the ambulance siren that siren is a beautiful sound because help is getting closer. And if you live in a world of pain and disappointment and fear and burden, it is a beautiful thing to be reminded again and again, yeah, our God reigns. And so, friends, I think we might have to redefine what we're looking for in a ministry, in a leader, in a church. It's so easy to think that a beautiful ministry is one which is successful, one that's big, one that's impressive, one that's large. But some of the most beautiful ministries might be very small. And they might be very basic and they might be run on a shoestring. But they're beautiful because they do the two things in verse 7. They constantly speak of the good news that's found only in Jesus. They constantly point us to Jesus' love. And they constantly remind us that no matter what's going on in our lives, our God reigns. Do Andrew and Heather have beautiful feet? <laughs> I have no idea uh, because lockdown prohibited me from checking it out. Uh, but in another sense, we can say, yes, absolutely they do, because they are coming amongst you to have this kind of ministry, heralds of good news. Proclaimers of Jesus, those who will point you to God who reigns. How, how can your church be a beautiful church? How can you have beautiful small groups and beautiful community? What will make Adam's preaching ministry among you a beautiful ministry? Quite simply, a beautiful ministry is full of beautiful news 
And the best news in the world is that Jesus loves us, no matter what. And God reigns, no matter what. We need that news. We need that kind of beauty in our lives. Can I pray? We thank you so much, Lord God, for the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, our saviour and friend, who gave his life that we might have life. And we thank you that he has been raised from the dead and exalted above all, and he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Our God, through Jesus Christ, reigns and rules. And so we thank you that Adam and Andrew and their preaching ministry, Heather and Andrew and all their other ministries will be people in cross and crown who constantly point to Jesus and constantly point to the sovereignty, the reign and rule of God. We pray that you would grant them a beautiful ministry. And we pray that this whole church might be a beautiful place to be because the focus is not on people, not on staging, not on how well we put stuff on, but the focus is on Jesus Christ and the power of God. May our eyes be drawn to that and may we rejoice in that good news. For Jesus' sake, amen.